welcome to our 35th Set the Month in Motion monthly podcast and forum, produced in partnership with the City of Fremantle's Building Business Capacity Program. My name is Denisha Quinlan and I'm the CEO here at the Fremantle Chamber of Commerce. Well, not only are we at the 1st of June this year, which I'm not quite sure how we even got here, the winds of change have been blowing at a rate of knots in our world. Between the workforce wipeouts due to COVID, supply chain challenges, as we discussed last month, the rise of mental health pressures, a change of government, and goodness knows what else is in store for us in the year ahead. On a positive note, at the tail end of Reconciliation Week, it is such an exciting time in our relationship with the traditional custodians of our land, as our new Prime Minister made very public his commitment to the Uluru Statement and a new path forward with an invitation from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to all Australians to walk together in a movement of change for a better Australia and a stronger voice for First Nations people. And on that note today, I would like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we gather, the Wadjuk people, and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. So lots and lots of change in the external environment at a pace, as we've said, that to quote many people this year or last year or the year before, unprecedented and the unprecedented changes just keep coming and coming. Um, on today's panel, we're talking change, but we're talking change in a concept, I guess, in the way that we can potentially control, forecast and understand how that change may impact our businesses. We're talking planning, we're talking budget, we're talking goals. And first up on our panel, who's joining us remotely in a moment of change uh, due to some COVID isolation, is Susan O'Byrne, Project Director of Business Foundations. So as a Project Director and a Board Director also of One Tree Community Services Incorporated. She's a seasoned corporate affairs professional with a breadth of experience across multiple countries and industries, including investment, aviation and resources. Over various roles, including Communication Director for CHC Helicopter, Head of Corporate Communications for RAC and Head of Public Relations for a group as part of the Lloyds TSB group. She has had a wide and varied experience and has developed significant expertise in problem solving and engaging with stakeholders to develop good results for every party. So to kick us off, I thought we'd start with those relationships. They say it takes a village to raise a child, but maybe even more so to help grow a business. When so much of our business success relies on our relationships with our stakeholders, how do we start to plan for change and complexity in our businesses during these particularly challenging times? Thanks, Denise. Um, a first thing I would be looking at is doing a bit of an analysis within your business and talking to your employees about what headwinds and challenges will be coming up in the new year. Not that we haven't already had many, many of those. But for your particular business, do you see the main issues as acquiring new customers, your logistics and delivery of goods timelines or your cost of supplies? Um, and really make sure you speak to your employees about that too. They're closer to the coal face and they usually have some really good insight in where you might find some of your difficulties in the coming year. And then I would be brave and go and speak to your stakeholders. I'd speak to your suppliers, I'd speak to your customers. Um, I would speak to if you've got regulators that you need to speak to or, um, or uh, authorities like, the, like your councils where you might have planning issues and get a really good sense from them about what, where they see the challenges are as well. And that will really help you uh, create um, a plan about how you're going to manage some of those issues going ahead. It also opens up really open and honest lines of communication with your key stakeholders, which is worth uh, you know, a, a lot more than you actually think. 
I've always run the no surprises rule. I'd rather pick up a phone to a customer and say, we're going to be delayed with something early and then work with them on that issue, uh, then surprise them at the 11th hour. So if my, my key message would be to probably go and do some consultation, both inside your business and externally, to get a really good 360-degree view of where the biggest issues are going to be for you next year. It's so true in looking at, you know, we, we often do our planning with our, I guess, filter on and really look internally as we're doing that planning. And I think the reason we're sort of starting to, to think and starting this conversation around the external and those relationships is not only, as you've mentioned, does it help prevent surprises, but it also enables us to really get a strong understanding of what may be coming up ahead through all of those different um, touch points who are closer to the action in many ways um, as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And without speaking to your customers, um, you, you may only be assuming what their issues are. You actually need to find out for them from their perspective where they see the biggest issues for the next year. And I'd like now to uh, jump to uh, Russell Smith, who's founder and principal consultant from CSG Marketing. Um, another very strong focus externally, um, which is where we're working through, because I think often, as I said, we start with budgets and we look solely internally. So I thought we'd turn the cart on the horse. Also, well, my mixed metaphors, goodness me, you can tell I had COVID last week. But let's start with Russell. Russell, with a passion for global strategy, innovation and ideas that move the world forward, you've spent your career working in a business with more than 30 countries building programs that focus on growth and value innovation. In this time, you've been lucky enough to live in Boston, New York, Singapore and a variety of other places along the way. So you have that amazing global focus. And I think one of the things I'm really interested to hear today is, is some of that perspective of that overseas experience. Um, that experience led you to start your own entrepreneurial ventures through uh, CSG Marketing. You saw the leading business and marketing practices that were happening around the world and wanted to extend that to as many organisations as possible. And we're lucky enough to have you now based here in Fremantle. Um, you now focused your time working with business leaders to understand, challenge and unlock the value they have for the world using marketing and insights to help reach their vision. Russell, I love that you say you're always keen to talk about new ideas and goodness, we've needed some new ideas over the last few years. It is a brave new world out there. What new ideas are you seeing on the horizon and how do you think they could be applied to businesses as they plan the year ahead? Yeah, great. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Um, it's, uh, it's really, really interesting what's going on out there. What I think the biggest trend that we're seeing specifically for marketing is that it's really extending beyond its traditional scope of work. Um, whereas... Traditionally, people say, well, marketing, well, well, that's advertising or that's sales or, or whatever that may be or have you know, some sort of impact on sales. But what we're actually seeing now is with so much flux in the workplace and in the market is that marketing needs to be far more involved throughout the business or you know, horizontally throughout the business. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Like what's going on in Perth at the moment or just everywhere around the world is um, they're needing to invite employees back to, to the epicentre. Um, everyone has got really, really happy working in this hybrid environment or what they call the hybrid environment, whereas, uh, I mean, that's now... Or the work at home in your pyjamas environment. Completely. Yes. And, and and what they're saying is, is that that has been good, but they're saying it also it has a real shelf life mm. um, because it's good for ticking boxes, but what you really lack is, is obviously the collaboration, all the things that we've heard about. And so now they're actually having to convince people to come back to the workplace. And what they're finding now is something that marketing wouldn't necessarily have an involvement in. Marketing really need to get involved through things like employee value proposition development, um, through being able to 
um, have, you know, key pillars and themes as to why people would come back and when people do come back, actually making it worthwhile. And so um, what we're really, I guess, witnessing all throughout the world is the fact that marketing more than ever is actually having its hands right across the business. Um, and that's been something very refreshing for us because that allows, I think, marketing a bit more of a seat at the table than what it has traditionally had. Um, like I said, there might be this kind of myopic view that it would just be about well, making sure that we go and promote the business. But now that's really extended to the fact that how do we actually internally promote it? And as you say, it's driven by labour shortages and needing to attract new employees into businesses. It's driven by the fact that we live in such an incredibly design orientated environment where employees, external stakeholders, even down to our suppliers, expect to get things that touch and feel and look like the organisation at every touch point through that, absolutely. And I think um, also that that whole role of, of marketing is really challenging at the moment because it is so expensive, particularly for business, to do properly. And we're going to come, I guess, to talk about budgets with Jason a little, in a little moment, but they often say you have to spend money to make money. Um, but marketing often is a big black box of spending that um, measuring and getting those outcomes um, can be challenging to see. And for business leaders who are suddenly faced with, as you've said, having to design something that is going to be worthwhile for employees, retention and attraction, demonstrate the leadership and values potentially when leaders are out of the office. And I know that's certainly been even an issue at the chamber when we're moving around a lot, keeping a team on track and making sure everyone's working together is really difficult. You're also then dealing with social media and all of the budget buying cut through there and advertising. Where do we budget? Where do we start on oh. that large, open, empty box? Yes, um, very, very good questions. The question I get faced with is a question we get challenged with every single day, um, no doubt. And there's that running joke to say, you've probably heard of it, is that we don't, we know that 50% of our marketing budget doesn't work. We just yeah. don't know which 50% that is. <laughs> That's right. Um, and so, look, I think in these times, there's a couple of ways that you can view it. The first thing, there needs to be a huge level of prioritisation. Um, and they call it radical prioritisation these days. Um, I was reading a report by Forrester and it was, it was talking about how there's also like buying cycles have just significantly changed as well. And, and if you're in the B2B space, um, there can be up to 27 touch points that you actually need. As, as Susan was indicating earlier. Yeah, yeah. so, so um, having a real appreciation for that, that the complexity of a sale has actually really changed. And that's both B2B and, and B2C. Plus, you know, the challenge for people's thoughts and emotions and, and all of that is that you need to find a way to, to really prioritize what that is. And so uh, in this stage, I think as, as Susan was saying, we always just go right back to the basics and it's you have to be very, very clear on what your value is to the market. I often feel as if that so many organizations or people can get swept up and, and, and a little bit overwhelmed. It's understanding we do it all the time, but ultimately really going back to what is you, the, that value that you provide to the market and then how far are you willing to extend mm -hmm. on that? And then once you have a clear understanding about that, everything needs to build from that. And you have to look at it through the lens of this radical prioritization because um, there's so much that you can be focusing on, but there's also a lot of wastage. And so if we then think about it like that, and then we then think about well, how are we then got to focus our budgets, there really needs to be um, a keen focus on going, uh, okay, let's segment our budget. That's, that's, the, that's the key thing that we always look at because um, we always really try and encourage businesses to certainly look for the long-term as well. And, and that's hard when you have short-term goals to hit, but you need to have this 
kind of lens of going, well, what are the long-term things that we need to achieve to ensure that we're still online and that's around that prioritization? But then also what are, what are some of the short-term things that we need to invest in? And so our very first thing that we say is make sure that you uh, segment your budget out and then on your budget is to then build hypotheses around that. So that will then allow you to say, look, for this chunk of budget, we're going to look to do this thing. And then what we're hypothesizing is that we should get this result. And you put that into a little bucket like that, and you might have four or five buckets along the way. And they'll all be kind of at different stages uh, through different lenses, through, through different kind of focus areas. And by segmenting, you can then basically just do tests. And then you can actually see, okay, so we were going to invest some money in social media and we're hoping for this outcome. Did we get that? Yes or no, or did we? And then you can look at tweaking. And so that way, um, by pulling it into that kind of view is you're not just putting a big chunk of money out into the atmosphere and going, well, I hope that this works. Like the old days where we'd put, you know, a bucket into Channel 7 and, you know, sit back and wait for the advertising yeah. to do its job. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And there's so many tools out there that you can use, which which is a whole other thing around the trend in technology and how you can prove ROI. But just for, for the average kind of business and business owner, that's certainly the way that at least that we would go about so approaching almost it. almost an iterative process where you start by saying these are a couple of buckets we think might work. We'll start here. And then if we need to put more in here, then we'll take it from there and moving forward. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and what that allows for as well is it allows for, because you've got your planned strategy mm -hmm. as well. And, and so you know that we're, we're looking at saying, you know, we, we are anticipating that we're going to do this this year and this is what we need to achieve. But it also allows for uh, any emergent strategy mm. that comes out. So something could come from left field, you don't even know about it and you're like, okay, we see this as potentially being an opportunity that we want to go after where we have a little bit of money sitting here that we can actually do that. Do and that. so it is about, yeah, really cutting and splicing and shaping your budget that allows for both what you intend on doing and then what you have no idea could potentially be coming or something that really works. You go, let's put all our chips into here. So many things going through my head right now. And one is how Jason would feel about just having a bucket of money sitting somewhere that we just pull out when we need it. But I'll come to that in a second. The other two big things that I thought, uh, questions that struck me as you were talking, Russell, as something that um, Phil from Business Foundations mentioned in our commercialising ideas and that first of all, working out what problem you're trying to solve. And I'll come back to Susan and talk a little bit about how we actually start at that point. And the second one was the lovely Al Taylor on one of our earlier one um, podcasts where he mentioned, you've got to know what business you're in and what it is that you're actually really are truly actually doing within the marketplace. So we'll come back to those two big questions because I think they're really relevant in not only starting with understanding that external environment, as Susan has mentioned, understanding all of those stakeholders and their viewpoints of your business, working out what business you're in, what problem you're trying to solve. And then, as you've said, having a number of key different marketing, different channel ideas and testing those as we go. All great talk, Jason, but we have to find the money from somewhere to do all of this, don't we? So it gives me great pleasure to introduce um, Jason, Senior Manager of RSM Fremantle and Treasurer of our Fremantle Chamber of Commerce here. Um, which is no easy feat given how tight our funds are. I love the idea of having a bucket of money that potentially just leave to do something with. We don't often have that, Russell. Um, Jason is a member of CPA Australia, Senior Manager at our corporate partner, as I mentioned, RSM, um, which is one of Australia's leading professional services firms. Jason has small and medium-sized enterprise um, clients on taxation and business advisory issues, and you've helped them for over 25 years, Jason. Extraordinary amount of experience in predominantly looking at their structures, private family groups, high net wealth individuals and groups across various industries. 
who are committed to providing a complete business service and building relationships with these clients that ensure their personal and business goals are achieved. And you've also, as I mentioned, committed to working with our various committees and uh, our board to help improve and promote and protect Fremantle businesses in the region. And we're very grateful for that support. Jason, as we've talked about, challenging few years in business. We've talked a lot about, you know, different ideas and iterative development of processes. Where are we? Are we ready to cast the bow lines and head out to a more optimistic sea? What are you seeing from businesses setting their goals and budgets this year? Thanks, Denisha, and thanks for having me here this morning. Look, it's really been interesting talking to um, our client base and and getting the feedback and actually looking at the numbers as they're, as they're coming through. And like I said, it, it, for some clients, it's been the best two or two or three years they've ever had. Wow. Um, for others, it's been a, a real challenge. And mm-hmm. so we've getting that that whole range through our client base. Um, you know, we we know the industries that are that are hard hit, and and, and hospitality certainly one of those and and they've had issues um, um, supply chain they've had you know lockdowns and uh, border closures which has impacted certainly on uh, a tr- you know, getting staff through mm. um, so and their cash reserves and cash imagine. reserves as well yeah. so um, you know they've certainly had had challenges you know with, with with stock and and how much and 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 things like that so there's been probably a bit of over overspend trying to stock up as, as they can go um, you know, if you if you go to retail, it, it's it's you know it's maybe a different story where where they've got different challenges um, as well. We've certainly seen some some grants and incentives offered to the public, and that's certainly helped with 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 cash flow. So there's certainly more money out there, um, but at the same time, you know we've seen the cost of living go up as well. So it's getting that balance right between you know arbitrary spend and I just go out and spend it, mindful of you know I still need to. To, to, to pay the, the bills that come in each month. And, and now we've got, the, um, you know, the in interest rates is another um, factor that we need to take into consideration as well, which again takes you know, some of that cash flow out of, out of, out of the budget. So it, it's been certainly um, an interesting time talking to, to, to clients. One of the things that we certainly found early, early days was that a lot, for a lot of clients, there was no plan B. So there was no budgeting, there was no forecasting. It really was just, you know, flying by the wind in terms of how their business was running. And 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 I think what 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 the past couple of years have certainly highlighted for a lot of businesses is that they do need to have some direction in terms of what they're trying to do and mm. how they're going to get there. Um, you know, there needs to be a, a backup plan. There needs to be um, cash reserves or. You know, one of the common terms we like to use is a, is a war chest, and you know, yeah. essentially just savings um, for the, for the rainy day. And um, so, look, I think there's a certain degree of optimism. Um, it's probably tapered off a little bit with the with the, the, the election, and normally does sort of um, sort of calm down a little bit as elections come th- come and go, and just wait to see what's happening. Um, but it look, there's certainly a, a, a degree of optimism, just tempered a little bit at the moment as we wait and see what happens. But I, I think our um, podcast we did right in the mix of COVID around budgeting through the eye of the storm, um, one of the things was, you know, that our old grandmother's advice that we do actually need to put a little bit of money aside every now and again. And I think as a culture and as a society, we haven't been very good at that. Um, and I guess combined with rising inflation and potentially rising cost of goods, how do businesses think about putting a bit aside? What, what do you actually do in practical terms to make sure that you've got that war chest, Jason? Absolutely. So look, this is where, where budgeting and, and cash flow forecasting really becomes an important part of your business. So so stepping back from that before, before you're doing your budget, really 
you know, it's a really good time now to, to really analyze your business, do the health check of your business and really reassess what your goals are, short term, long term. Um, and then from there, once you know where, where you want to go, then you can start to set your, your budget and, and really start to map, monitor, not just uh, profit, Mm. But actual cash flow. So mm. we're looking at you know bank accounts, ins, outs, um, and how do we monitor you know when money's coming in and when it, when is it going out and at, and at what level. So really important that you know you know assess where you're at, get your strategies and goals lined up, um, do the budget, get some cash flow forecast happening, and really that's your starting point. Mm. And then um, you know try and work out where, what points of the year. Can I start to, to put some aside? And and we know that there's, there's certain things that you need to pay for um, at certain times. So not just your, your normal business expenses. Um, if you're making money and there's, and there's a profit, there's going to be tax to pay as well. Yeah. So making sure that you have set aside, you know, the portion for GST, the portion for the tax man when, it's, when, when you lodge your tax return. So working that into your, your cash flow as well. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different factors that we need to, to, to keep That's in mind. a couple of really good points you make. I think a lot of us do focus very much on the P&L and forget that so much sits outside the P&L that actually requires cash, be that capital, be that your GST yeah. payments, be that your well, we've got a, you know, tax the, 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 There's profit. equipment, there's finance payments, yeah. there's, there's loan repayments that need to happen. So there's all these other things that don't hit your P&L, mm. but, also, um, but they do impact through your cash flow. So you need to take those into consideration and, as well. And put that aside. And, and do you recommend to organisations on that cash that they hold like like, you know, 20%, 30% or is it a little bit more just hold it's what the you dream. can? It's, it's the dream, isn't it? Look, look, at, look, at an absolute minimum, you certainly need to make sure that you, you're making ends meet each month. Yeah. You know there's going to be a GST component for the most part and for the most part, you know, if you're making a profit or you plan to make a profit, there's going to be some tax. Mm. So you can almost, you know, start to put that away and, you know, and the advice has always been, you know, have separate bank accounts and, and specifically move it across. It doesn't always work like that but you sort of know if you're doing budgeting and cash flow, what sort of results you should be mm. getting. In particular, if you are then analysing your actuals back to your, your budget, so you should have a, um, you know, if you're checking in regularly, a, a pretty fair idea of how you're tracking and making sure that you are putting some mm. aside. What that number is, will, will depend on each business. I don't think I could live without separate bank accounts. I actually think that's it from business and personal is the only way. And just to forget that that other one, it doesn't even exist, I think is the way to go, absolutely. Some really great points that we'll come back to there, Jason. Susan, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, setting goals before we start um, and that's something that you work with organisations across Western Australia and, and interstate as well. Um, where do you start? So you've done that kind of health check, you've spoke, looked internally, spoken to your employees, you've spoken to a number of your key stakeholders, be they suppliers, customers in the market. How do you pull it all together to answer those big hairy questions that we raised earlier and that feel so cleverly articulated, working out what business you're in and what problem you're trying to solve? Well, in terms of the, for the coming year, one of the first things um, I would do in trying to set your priorities for your goals it would be to say, well, what's of this big pile of things, um, what's in your control, what's out of your control and what's in your sphere of influence? So, you know, I, most of the businesses I'm talking to at the moment are, like as, as Jason was saying, starting to feel a little optimistic, but they're really not prepared to commit to anything too big for the next year. It's optimistic and survivable for the next sort of 12 months. And so one of the things I sort of talk to them about is about what can you control, what can't you control, and what's in your what I call sphere of influence. 
And for the things that are not in your control and some of the big things for clients we're talking to now, things like shipping delays, uh, making sure that so your supply chain is coming in on time, what do you need to do to prepare for that? So that's things like longer lead time ordering, being prepared to carry a bigger inventory than you normally do. And in that scenario, your war chest is really important to be able to make sure you can afford to carry inventory and, and to basically risk mitigate some of those issues you can't control uh, in the things you can control. And so this is one of the things that Phil would talk about, you know, what, what problem are you solving? But also, what is your value to the market? If you're in retail, is your customer service experience um, to main, the, the thing that's going to maintain and grow your customer base? I'm thinking of a, there's a retailer in Fremantle that my husband only buys his shirts from uh, because the, it goes in there, the quality of the stock's amazing, the customer service is incredible. Uh, and so that's why he keeps going back. So for that business, they need to focus on what employees are giving that great business and making sure the goal for the year is to retain those staff and to build on their skill sets. And when the sphere of influence is the things like, we know there's big changes coming in Fremantle in the next 10 years. Are you contributing to um, to committees and to um, to opportunities to, to offer your thoughts about council planning? Are you making sure that you're participating to have your voice heard in terms of when we think about what Fremantle might look like in 10 or 15 years' time? So I think your priorities for actions and your goals will fall out of these things, particularly in the next 12 months. Um, it's a very brave business to start doing, to making making our goals in the next 12 months to say, I'm going to grow sales by 30% because I'm not sure while the waters are getting calmer, they're certainly not still yet. Mm, that's absolutely true. And on setting that value proposition, Russell, that's obviously something that you guide clients through quite a lot. How do you manage to do that? What are some of the things that you do as far as that goes? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And, and to elaborate on what Susan was saying is um, understanding what you, your unique value proposition is, and, and we all know that. Um, but I feel as if organisations need to be a little bit more realistic and probably a bit more ruthless about what that actually is. Like I'll give you an example. We'll sit down with, with a number of accounting firms or professional services firms and I'm like, what, what is, what's your differentiator? And they'll be like, well, it's our customer service and it's our people. And I'm like, that sounds great, but that's what everyone says. Yeah. And, and so we need to go a level deeper. Um, and that's ultimately where we talk about the challenge of really unlocking the value that you have from, for the world um, is spending time. And it can take organisations a bit of time to actually do that. And so what we really spend our time on is trying to cut through that first level of what people say and think that it is that they do and really become super focused on, on what they may be. And the things that come out of it are actually very, very interesting. And so that that is something that I'd strongly encourage anyone listening um, to this today is to say, when you think that you, you have a, something unique for the world, um, that's fantastic, but that's just the starting point mm -hmm. is how do you really drill down on that and, and expand it and exploit it? And tell people about it as yeah. well, because you can have the best ideas in the world. I mean, as you were talking then, I was thinking about, you know, someone potentially going out at night looking at themselves in the mirror and actually giving them a really good hard look because, you know, it is that. It's warts and all, isn't it? It's actually going, I might want to be the hottest person in the room, but, you know, maybe I'm not. Yeah. And what else am I? And how do I actually engage and, and deliver that to the market and know that I have the confidence to do that and to tell people? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then once you do that is then understanding how that flows across your entire business yeah. as well. So there's that whole 
piece that will talk about how marketing is now extending a, a lot more to instead of just traditionally being out in front of the business, promoting the business externally. It's like, what are those internal rallying cries that marketing can help develop for the organisation to ensure that everyone is really uh, well aligned? Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Alicia, can, I, um, can I just jump in yeah, for a second? Yeah, please, Susan, go ahead. Uh, just to build on that too, I think a good place for people to start if they're not quite sure how to do that next level drill down is to actually do a bit of a competitor analysis too, you know. So like you said, you, you, you're, I think I'm the hottest tonight, but really what are my competitors doing that are making them hot? And so that will actually help you figure out your differentiation points as well. Um, often businesses have a good sense of who they are, but actually when you say, well, tell me about your competitive landscape, who's out there, what are they offering, What's di how is it different to you, blank, nothing. So it's really important that you understand who you're actually competing against and what you're offering that is different. Such a good point you make. And also... I think understanding who your competitors are because it may not be just the businesses that are exactly the same as you. It may be some of those businesses that offer something in the same landscape, service or product that maybe you haven't thought about that are actually taking up a bit of that space. And particularly, I'm sure you're seeing, um, Susan, a number of organisations the types of products, the way we're using services, they've evolved and changed at quite a dramatic rate. And your competitors may be different to who they started off with two, three years ago as well. Exactly. Absolutely, Denisha. That's, that's, we're seeing that quite a lot uh, in terms of, so if you think about the entertainment space, people would think, oh, well, I'm a pub, so um, all my competitors are pubs. Well, actually, no, they're not. And, and they're not just they're not just restaurants or they're not just uh, nightclubs. They're actually also streaming services to stay at home and decent, really good bottle shops offering interesting wine. You know, so you actually have to be really broad about who your competitive space is. Mm, and I think Netflix was a great example of that in reverse earlier this year where suddenly they were doing really well when everyone was staying at home in their pyjamas and suddenly the outdoors became a little bit more of their competitive space. So, yeah, it's a really good point. Um, we're talking a lot about planning and I guess some of these ideas conceptually, which is so important in those big questions. How do you take those big questions, Jason, and pull it down into some tools and resources that people can actually put numbers to? Yeah, so just to elaborate on, and pick up mm. on that, it really is identifying what those goals are mm. and making sure that they are realistic and that they're achievable at some level. And there's only certain levers that you can pull um, to, to twist the numbers or to, to, to change what those numbers are going to be. So from both an income and expense side, there's a fixed component. We know for the most part what income or where it's going to come from. We don't know mm. what the exact dollar amount is going to be, but we know where it's potentially going to come from. It's the, the, the variable part of that, that blue sky opportunity, which is the, which is the interesting um, aspect. How do we put a number to that? It's hard to. From an expense side, it's very similar. So we know for the most part what our, what our fixed and controlled expenses are going to be. It's those variable expenses. Is there anything we can do there to, to limit or, or minimise the, the expenditure that we're facing. So we're looking at things like, you know, interest, insurance, things like that where, we, you know, all the, for the most part, about having conversations with people, is there better opportunities out there? So, mm -hmm. you know, is there a better interest rate if I change banks? Is there, if it, you know, with insurance, when was the last time you spoke to anyone about your insurance? You know, the re renewals come through each year, we just keep paying it and, you know, no one ever looks at it. So actually sitting back and, and, and looking at, what can I control? What levers can I pull to make sure that I'm getting closer to achieving those goals, making sure that cash flow is, is positive mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, 
ultimately I can get my business and lifestyle to a point where I want it to be. So important, that, um, and Russell definitely, um, just quickly to, to add the, that idea around expenses too, is if you want to free up a war chest or you want to free up money to, to put into marketing or other things, you do almost have to go through each line item and say, where can I actually pull some of that money from? And it's a really, really good point and, and marketing and accounting agreeing here, um, yeah. which is, I was, I was waiting to put that line in there somewhere. Um, no, is is at risk of being a little rara here is the the idea or the practice of visualisation is actually really quite important here. And what I mean by that is for goals, goals can sometimes be, you know, a little arbitrary, a little like, all right, we're going to try and hit this amount of revenue. But what does that actually mean? Mm. Whereas if you can really um, articulate what it's going to be when you hit that goal or what that actually looks like, you find that that can make it a lot more tangible. And so as an example, um, you know, our organisation, we, we have a real focus through Asia Pacific. And so um, one of our goals is saying we want to work with two companies like this before the end of the year. Yeah. And so it's very, very clear then what you're actually going for. So I'll go, okay. So if I'm looking to work with two companies like that, then I need to focus on that industry. And I know that the way that I'm going to be able to work with two companies is I need to be speaking to five companies every single month. And by the time November comes around, we would have achieved that. And so it it takes something that can be very like, okay, it's a revenue number or it's a, it's a client acquisition number or something. It's like, no, I actually know what that is and mm. I can see and feel and touch it and, and, and appreciate it. And so having some, um, I guess, trying to put as much like, I don't want to use the term reality, but it kind of is that of what that goal actually is, um, I think but is really it's beneficial. Reality and it's also a practicality to it. You know, it's like saying, I'm actually going to get one grant, therefore I have to apply for five to 10 to get that one grant. I'm gonna get two new large distributors. I've therefore gotta be on the phone to 10 to 15 distributors to convert those two. It actually makes it really real and really practical that then converts to say, well, if I get that one, how much additional revenue is that? And we actually start to be able to really plot things out. I think it's a great example. Yeah, definitely. And 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 the um, example was used um, earlier by Susan of the pubs and, and so like, Again, in hospitality, the sort of way instead of maybe saying, look, we want to hit this revenue goal is going on a Sunday afternoon, we want to be the go-to place for the Dockers games. Yeah. And that becomes very, very clear then because you're like, okay, we are now focusing all of our strategies, all of our tactics, all our promotion, absolutely everything to this North Star concept, which is to be the go-to place. And it completely changes the lens of actually how you go about planning and promoting your business because it's if you can then achieve that, well... Um, you know, then everything will then just follow. Revenue follows and, and, and all your social media stuff and all of that follows. And I was just even thinking as you were talking then, like the Dockers, if that's your go-to, and you say it's Sunday afternoon, we want, making sure your staff know that we need to sell an extra three beers to each person on a Sunday afternoon, which delivers X. You can actually then break it down to really specific goals for the individuals around you as well. Absolutely. And and that is that is what we term the North Star mm. of a business is every single thing rallies towards that um, or, or to whatever your strategy is. And then you have key North Star metrics yeah. that flow on after that. And so you could say, be the go-to place. Everyone knows what we're going for. And then you sell your three beers as well. That's a metric under it. And, mm. and that's a proper, like really strong business alignment. Yeah, absolutely. And 
is measurable and tangible at the end of the year to go, did we actually meet that and tweak things along the way? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a really, really interesting point. Did you have something you wanted to add to that, Jason? Really good point there was the engagement with, with staff. Mm. So really getting them involved even in, in the budgeting process because for the most part, they're going to be the key drivers of trying to achieve it. Mm. Um, so if we can get, you know, staff engaged to try and set those targets, to try and set those numbers, get them to understand that if you do sell those those three extra, you know, pots at the bar, that this is what it means. And, and that's one of those levers that we can we, we actually quantify. We can actually put it into the budget yeah. and say, look, if, if we do this, this is this is a dollar impact. This is what it means. Not just at a bottom line net profit, mm. but also from a cash flow perspective. It's so true. And often I think we, we speak a lot about, you know, just generally sales and conversion. And it's amazing how many high level goals people put into place without realising that a lot of it is the nitty gritty of picking up the phone and converting or in a hospitality business, if you fill up every glass before it gets empty or offer someone another drink, what that tiny step has on the bottom line and financials to shift your income can be quite huge. Absolutely. Susan, did you have anything you wanted to add just about breaking those goals down into smaller chunks and involving your employees around it? I think that's it's a really fantastic methodology. I think in a bit budgeting process, not having your employees involved is um, can be quite high risk in the, in the sense that you have a lovely budget that it may be completely decoupled from reality. Uh, so I actually think concrete goals uh, for the next year, and I love the idea that the North Star is a fantastic way to, to, to focus it. This is our North Star, so all of our practical activities are going to have to be pivoted to it, which means our budget then has to be pivoted to it, and it makes some decision-making a whole lot clearer. Mm, absolutely. And I think it also then, when you, if you are setting really strong KPIs from that budget, it means that they're realistic and you're also not deflating your employees and your teams by setting things that perhaps feel too far for them to actually achieve and get as well. Wonderful. Um, we talked about interest rates very briefly, obviously a really big part of the next 12 months. How much in our expense and bottom line do we need to allow for increased costs and increased in interest, do you reckon, Jason? Good question. It's the million dollar question. Um, Look, I'm not sure there's a, a, there, there is an answer, but I, I think what, what the, the budgeting and cash flow allows you to do is to get closer to what that actual position is. Mm -hmm. So it allows you to put into your, your, your model, if, if rates go up by, you know, 0.25 of a percent, what does that mean? How does it impact on not just profit, but my cash flow? Mm -hmm. So it really does make it very visual um, in terms of its impact, mm -hmm. what that number is, who knows? But um, yeah, the visual aspect of being able to pull that lever and change that that in, in your model is really important. And I think it comes back to some of the things Russell was talking about from a marketing point of view of having different options and different scenarios. You know, we are looking at 0.5% increase for superannuation. We are looking at likely increases in interest rates. We are looking at likely costs that are related to supply chains going up. We have to allow for that, don't we? And those? I think the budget, as much as you do set it at the start of, of, of the year, I think you need to be nimble and agile enough to identify that during the year things are going to change. Yeah. So the numbers within it may well change and being able to tweak the budget to match what's actually happening. Otherwise, it does give you an unrealistic position that you're trying to trying to get to. So, you know, if rates do go up, well, you're going to, you may well have to change your budget and it's going to change your cash flow. Yeah. So, yeah. so being able to, to have that different scenario and being able to do it quickly um, 
certainly allows you as, as a business to act in, in, in a prompt mm. manner to, to, you know, if you need to change anything, at least you're onto it straight away. And in an ideal world, Russell's already sorted us out. So our income scenario is trucking really well. So it doesn't really matter if it happens. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's that easy. Yeah. So no, um, it, it's a great point because the first thing that people then do is, is, is they'll cut marketing. It's like, what do we need? We need to tighten the belt. So, you know, let's cut marketing. And then it's typical the marketing person says, no, you should be investing more in marketing and, yeah. and all of that. And then it, it turns into a challenging discussion. But I, I feel as if this is where marketing actually has a responsibility to be a really good corporate citizen within the business. And I talk about marketing as if everyone has this, their own marketing function. So let me preface this by saying yeah. they don't. You mean I wear all 10 hats? The yeah, chief everything officer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so we'll, we'll use it as, as knowing that that it, it's usually one person that does everything there. But I guess the lens that you view marketing through is it is critical that you do understand of those buckets, like what's non-negotiable, yeah. I think. And, and that's what I was referring to earlier about those buckets. If you have, let's say you have four buckets and you go, this is tier one, absolute priority. We know that this is driving revenue for us. We have to keep this on. So accounting, hands off when it comes to, you know, time that you need to to trim it up. And then, but the other three buckets, yeah, we can, we can have a discussion around it. And so knowing that before it even comes around, I think, can hopefully ease a bit of the burden around being overwhelmed when it comes time to having to, to tighten Absolutely. and then also going, no, this is actually working well, so let's double down on it. And I think also understanding back to that point, where is your biggest bang for buck? So there are a lot of things like, for example, picking up the phone, which doesn't cost anybody anything, but potentially can convert one large distributor that's actually going to be a huge revenue and income source versus, you know, a mass global dump advertising campaign that you know gets a little bit of brand awareness but maybe doesn't do those things. So I think that value offering is really important to understand in setting some of those goals as well. Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. It's um, it's really ensuring, like we always say that ma marketing is as much of a habit as, as anything, particularly for the small businesses, is having that list of things that you do on a weekly basis that you're blocking and tackling. It's just making the phone calls. It's putting up your social media posts. It's, it's whatever that may be, all of the things that don't actually cost anything, that needs to be the base yeah. of, of what it is that you do. And it's just that as you grow, you might have the opportunity to outsource them. You might have the opportunity to fuel them a little bit more with some, uh, with some additional um, investment, but there is always a base level of things that need to happen all the time. And it's about knowing what they are mm. and, and making sure that happen on a, on a consistent basis. And that realism is, it flows right through. I was having a conversation with someone during the week about a great product idea and they were going, oh, but I only need to sell, you know, 500 to 1,000 a day. And I, you go, oh, yeah, that doesn't sound that bad. But then you go, in reality, where are those people actually going to come from and how are you going to attach yourself to those people with brand loyalty every day to achieve that for an item that's a relatively low margin it's a lot of volume with a lot of risk and versus you know a, a product where you've got a lot of room to move because your margins are much higher that realism susan must be something when you're advising businesses that's probably one of the the toughest parts of i think the role that you have where you're setting goals but you're also tempering them with cost and reality how do you go about that how do you do that with the business and encourage owners to take a good hard look in the mirror so to speak well it depends where they are on the de denial scale and <laughs> um, if i've got someone who's probably in in deep denial um, i often go for the shock tactic of saying you understand you have no inherent right to exist don't you your business you, you know there's no reason that your business needs to exist 
So you have to fight for your territory. So tell me what you're going to do. And that tends to stop people pretty much in their tracks. And that's once you've sort of, they've got this notion that it doesn't actually, the world doesn't care how much time or energy you've invested in your business. If you're not going to be smart right now when things are really tough, you may not exist next year. And that's not a crisis for anybody else except you. So and that tends to really clarify the mind because that's when you can start to break down some of those sacred cows and look at it from a real strategic perspective. The buckets of money, for instance, I was really interested in what Russell was saying about the marketing. He's absolutely right. There are certain things every business knows. This works. It works every time. This is my core customer base. I must do this. And that might be a big defence conference that you must be at in a big B2B sense. It might be that your Sunday afternoon lunch, I have to do a leaflet drop and offer one free beer, knowing that that's going to sell me four. You know, you have to really get down to that tin tax level. And sometimes you have to be pretty blunt with people about what that means for their business uh, if they don't take action. And so I, I, I get sent in to be a bit of a bulldozer sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's such good advice, though. And if we look at, you know, the advocacy work the Chamber and others have done around protecting businesses through COVID, we have in some ways created a culture that when things are tough, someone's going to come and save you. And I think there is a realism that's coming up where those grants aren't going to be available. We're not no longer going to be in a crisis environment where if your business is struggling, someone's going to come and, you know, get pay you to keep your staff on board, which we have had in the last few years. So that realism is really important moving forward. And I love your idea around the, the inherent right to exist. You know, it's not like it's a it's a human being, it's an entity that you have decided as a business leader and owner the world needs. It's up to you to then continue to promote that to the world. Yeah. And I think- Sorry, you go, Susan. Sorry, Rich, I was just going to say, and I think that once people have accepted that idea, some really amazing creativity and really interesting new ideas come up. And I've seen businesses completely transform themselves. um, And it's been great. And they've gone somewhere better, but they had to get tough first. Sorry, Russell. No, that's a great point, Susan. And and somewhere to keep building on that, somewhere where like the chamber is is um, just so valuable as well is like people have done it before. I think that's the first thing is as a, as a business owner, you, it, it's lonely, it's hard. You, you there, there's so much going through your mind, and then you know, let alone if you have a family and you have all of these other things that you need to consider. Um, but the fact is, is that people have done it before. And so one of the pieces of advice that we give is, while there is a competitive landscape out out there, absolutely, I think business owners also do like to rally together too. So just strongly encourage going out and looking at someone who's done something well and then just saying, how did you do that? Mm. I would say if you you want to get, you know, really fit, is go and find the fittest person you know and say, how did you get fit? And then they'll give you the roadmap, hopefully. Um, And so that collaborative approach, and I think something like COVID, it's a bit of a cliche, but something like COVID has brought people together. Um, and, and so I would just, wouldn't be backwards in coming forwards with asking, how did you actually do that? And, 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 you know, can you share some stories with me? And uh, tempered in that, I, a lady said to me the other day, we all have to just acknowledge and be humble in the fact that realistically, the idea that you think is the most amazing idea, you can probably guarantee someone else has already thought of it and already done it. And it's true. And yet we often get so attached to our businesses and so attached to our ideas and so attached to certain expenditure within our budget that sometimes we do have to take a big deep breath and just go, 
actually, I'm not the first person that struggled with this problem. And you would see that as well. Oh, you, Jason. Absolutely. And, 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 and COVID was a perfect opportunity for a lot of accountants for the first time in years to actually speak to their clients, okay. actually, pick up, actually pick up the phone and, and speak to them. And whether it was accountants doing it or clients calling us, we actually started speaking to our clients again, as opposed to doing it over email, um, which is a really impersonal way of doing it, but actually speaking to them because they didn't know what was going on. And so being able to, to have that discussion with them and talk to them about, you know, we're here to help. We've, we've seen business, we've, we deal with clients day in, day out. We, we can certainly help you, um, but you need to reach out and we need to be talking to each other pretty early to make sure that we start that discussion and and and, and get that line of communication open and, and started. And the, yeah, as you, I was just thinking then, the um, you know, even by the end of the month, if we all actually make an effort to pick up the phone and call five customers, three suppliers, have a chat to a couple of our employees, it's amazing how much data we can gather to actually start our planning in a really realistic way. Definitely. And and it can be as basic as just having a scorecard mm. as, as well. So you can build a really basic scorecard in Excel or whatever it may be and say, what do I think are the the five things that are going to move the needle or if I if I just do it a little bit more. And so, um, and at the end of the month, wow, you've spoken to 25 customers or you've spoken to 25 new prospects or you've, you've done something. And so it's the little things, it's the habit. Mm. Um, I think a lot of the time for the small business owner that you just go back to those basics um, and it can make a real difference. And you can do that at scale as well. So it, it's relevant for any size business, but having something like a scorecard is something very tangible. Yeah. Absolutely. And making that action and then recording the information absolutely so even those communications from a from a small business perspective is 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 terms of payment so you know everyone thinks they need to well likes to pay their bills straight away but is income coming in in the, in the same time more often than not you're paying first and receiving mm. later so you know get on the phone have a chat it might there might be something that that you can come to an arrangement with to help from a cash flow perspective short term, you know, just while you're waiting for some in income to come in, can I push um, some of those payments back? Mm. It, it certainly does help from a cash flow perspective, but you My don't know unless you jump on the phone. anything under 30 days and the conversations he would have with utilities and you name it, but it was absolutely his line in the sand was, it is unreasonable of you to expect me to pay in under 30 days. And he ran multinational business based yeah, on yeah. that principle. And what we're finding though, is it creates a massive amount of stress. Yeah. Um, on, on how am I gonna pay this? Yeah. Um, so it, it, you know, for it, it's not a business, it, well, it is a business stress, but it's more at a personal level of just trying to, how, how am I gonna meet all these expectations? Mm. So um, if you can at least get that ironed out and you know, this is what we're gonna do, it, it eases some of that pressure. And understanding when the money comes in so that you are billing at the right time. I'm always amazed at how many businesses don't put attention to generating invoices. That has to be your absolutely 100%. That invoice needs to go you out, doesn't it, Jason? You can't get paid you send out the invoice, <laughs> right? right. So, um, but a lot of businesses run on a, on a cost upfront. So, mm. you know, wages and super and all these sort of costs are happening upfront. Then the work gets done, then the invoice goes out and I get paid. So a lot of these costs are up front. So making sure that you do have the reserves and the cash flow to make sure that that can tick over while you're waiting for that income to come through. And that your own payment terms suit your business. So if it's 25% up front for a big project, it enables you to have that money in the bank to keep working on the project and all of those things. Yeah. Again, it's those small details in this planning process that are just absolutely so crucial. Um, 
we've talked a little bit about scenario planning and having scenarios for marketing, a few different scenarios for budgeting. Any advice from anyone on the panel? Like, how do we define our scenarios? Do we have 20 sitting on the table and we work through all of them? Do we go back to just those heavy hitters that are going to make a, a big difference? The sacred cow, I think you called it, Susan. Mm. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, you, I think you need to start with the mission critical stuff. So uh, if we go back to the idea that Russell was talking about of the North Star, um, what are the scenario plan around getting there and pick the big items that are going to be the biggest contributors to actually getting there? Um, I tend to take a choose your own adventure approach to scenario planning um, because it's so difficult to really predict what is actually going to happen. But so when you're doing it, think don't just think about this is the only scenario. Think about if this starts to happen and it goes here, what are we going to do? You know, for instance, am I going to need a larger war chest to, to be able to, to make sure my I can carry inventory longer? Or if it goes this way, what am I going to do? If I lose those key staff members, how am I going to quickly be recruiting? Actually have multiple pathways in your scenario planning would be really, really important. In, in my, That's how I, I would do it. I wouldn't get worded to this is the plan. This is how we're actually going to do that. All of that said, I would also, um, and given the last two years, I think we do it anyway, um, look for what we call the black swan event as well. We're in that, all those conversations you're having with customers and suppliers and employees, Look for the risk that you hadn't even thought about yet. You know, global pandemic, just to pluck an example out of the air. What are you going to do if we have a global pandemic and your supply lines get cut very quickly because you're importing everything from somewhere else? Can you divert quickly to a local supplier? Um, have, just have a think about what's the thing I really haven't thought about and you'll find that someone else will have it in their head and make sure you actually spend a bit of time on those ones as well. That's a good point. And sometimes for smaller businesses, it doesn't have to be all written down. It's just asking yourself those questions on a daily basis and understanding what those numbers mean and what sits behind them. I think one of the keys from a budgeting perspective from an accountant's viewpoint is to be able to manage the numbers very quickly. Yeah. So if we so have a tool readily available for yourself so that you can change those those levers, those variables really quickly to see what the impact is. Um, you know, too often we hear oh, it's too hard. It, it can be if you don't have it set up right, but mm. but definitely you know be speaking you to mean your if accountants. You're trying to find your expenses in that large yeah. bag that you're delivering yeah, to your yeah, accountant. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But being able and, and agile enough as a tool from from a budgeting perspective to be able to, to change those levers and mm. see what it really does impact, and it, and it's changing very quickly. I mean, we, we're seeing with staff staff being the main main cost for a lot of business is that it's hard to attract and it's hard to retain. So how do I how do I how do I change that very quickly in my model to see what impact it's going to have? Mm. Um, and so. who are those people and, and who what, are those where people? they contribute yeah. to income or where they contribute to expense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that North Star example, Russell, that you mentioned earlier and Susan's picked up on a couple of times as well is so important because it's amazing when you do set an organisation to hear how often in that scenario planning, just because you've thought about it, it almost self-perpetuates and people all end up on that path, don't they? Yeah, I really can't underestimate how powerful the North Star concept is. Mm. Um, it was developed a few years ago, actually out of marketing for this concept of what they term growth hacking. And and I think that that's, it, it's a much more uh, kind of technical marketing term around, you know, digital and, and different different things there, but it's, it's now built into the business. Um, and, you know, we use it ourselves as, as well. And so like our... North Star is to be the go-to organization for companies expanding into Asia Pacific. And so that is pretty clear 
that there's going to be so many things that flow down from that as well. You go, okay, so if we are going to be that company, what do we need to do? Well, we need to have some pretty good people who know, you know, how to work in this space and we need to be communicating to companies who are looking to expand and we need to do this, this and this. Um, and yeah, so everything And you need flows. to be in that market from time to time to understand it. So part of your expenses are planning, how often do we need to be in market? How often do we need those flights, those budgets? Everything falls down from that, doesn't it? Everything falls yeah. down. And so you have, I guess, the behaviours that come out of it and where you're trying to move the business and what you need to do, but then you wrap the metrics around mm -hmm. it. And, and that is, yeah, I need to be talking to this many companies. I need to be making this many trips. I need to be... And so it can be as grandiose as something like that on a global scale or... It can be again the local corner store yeah. as well, but um, but yeah, if there was one piece of advice I'd give to, to business owners is be very very clear on what your north star is, communicate that throughout your organisation, and then constantly monthly, weekly, whatever that may be, are you aligned to it? Yeah. Keep going that. I'm going to come back to you one good thought because I'd love to leave the panel on that one. But we have we got any questions from the room before we start to wind up? No. Susan, um, your one big piece of advice that you'd like to leave someone with on this note? Um, I think it's probably to cut, every, cut yourself and your team a bit of a break. The last two years have been really hard, whether you've had sudden and unexpected growth because of the pandemic or you have struggled to stay afloat. I think as you go into the planning cycle, just take a moment to draw breath take a break and think about how are you going to be building time away for people in your business in the next 12 months. One, from an employee retention perspective. Two, to prevent further burnout. And it may just be that you enforce a 30-minute lunch break and everyone has to go for a walk around the block and just decompress without their phone for 30 minutes. Um, but just acknowledge that the last couple of years have been extremely hard. We're about to enter a new phase that does require good quality planning, but you do need a rested brain to do it. So I would that would be my sort of one piece of advice is before you launch off a mere miles an hour, just, just draw breath and think about how you build that into the next 12 months. I think it's such an important point. I know certainly for a lot of businesses, even just facing the budget and the planning process this year is overwhelming just simply from that fatigue and that exhaustion. So I think it's a really, really good point before we start to embark on where we're going to go next, just to all take a really big, deep breath while we can. Absolutely. Jason, your last final piece of advice. Russell's got the North Star. Susan's got take a big breath. What do you reckon? What do I reckon? Look, talk to your, talk to your account. Work, love it. work with them. Well, no, and it's good. The reason I say that is because take the time to understand and and make sure your business is running as well as it can be. Yeah. And we look at it from a person perspective, but from a business perspective, make sure that it's running and operating as well as it can be. So don't just take it for granted that it's going to just roll over year on year. You need to work on it, same as you do anything. So make sure that you, you do and, and give it – the, the time that it deserves to make sure that it can continue on because from you know for a lot of small businesses it's it's their lifestyle it's, it's how they live and it's how they get by so make sure that you give it the time and make sure that it's running as, as effectively as it can be that's so true and it, it's like saying it's no point in planning a trip around australia until you worked out whether your car's actually going to make it so you know that's starting at the very very base to go is my business going to make it around the block another few times and how we do that and then we start planning for those Absolutely. bigger sky Absolutely. moments yeah it's great 
panel, thank you. I'm always so amazed at how our conversations go on a completely different route to what I thought they were when we start thinking about today. Um, there's a couple of other really good podcasts, I think, that we've done over the last two years that support some of these conversations, the budgeting in the eye of the storm, the commercialising idea one, and the really understanding what business you're in um, are some other really good um, tools that businesses perhaps can use. But I think I've certainly taken a lot out of today around just having that review of the basics, keeping an eye on that um, those expenses, planning a few different scenarios and keeping an eye on the North Star. So wonderful stuff. Thank you so much. Um, all of you will be live um, on the podcast from usually Friday, I think, or Thursday. Chris um, from Cloud Biz, thank you so much um, for helping us through, particularly with the additional technology today. I know we're all so used to Teams, but it does make it a bit difficult when we're streaming live at the same time. So thank you very much for that. And to the team in the room, Cal and Jesse, thank you for your help today. Really appreciate it. Signing off. Thank you.